0: Hello folks, welcome back, and if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. You're listening to the High Performance Human Podcast, and I'm your host, Simon Ward. Oh, I hope you had a great Christmas and a fun time with your friends uh, over the last few days. This is the last podcast of 2023, so I really appreciate you being here. And in today's podcast, I'm chatting with Liam Colebrook. Liam's one of the Outlaw Triathlon Ambassadors for 2024 and we look forward to seeing him at some of the events um, next year. As you'll hear in the show, being involved with the Outlaw events as a volunteer in 2023 played a big part in turning Liam's life around and literally helped to save his life. Before we start, it's important for me to let you know that we talk about some very sensitive topics, anxiety, depression, mental health, as well as gambling addiction, drinking and suicidal thoughts. So please, if on listening, you feel this has triggered anything within you, please make sure you reach out to somebody and you can find links for help in the show notes below. During the podcast, Liam speaks very candidly about his long-term anxiety issues and addiction to gambling. He leads us through his journey of wearing many masks to cover his addiction to the point when no one else had any idea what was going on. He speaks about therapy, having dark thoughts, the day of realisation, and then rehab and the beginning of his recovery we talk about volunteering at outlaw events sharing magical moments with his children and finding his tribe finally liam shares some of his own high performance habits which he uses every day to continue the lifelong recovery process so let's crack on and for the final time this year let's hear for today's guest liam colebrooke well, Oh, welcome to the show liam Colbrook. hello how, how are you today? I'm
1: alright, thank you. I'm
0: good. It's, uh... Now, yeah, well, it's it's lovely to have you on the show. Um, you are an outlaw ambassador, um, for 2024, aren't you? And I've I've had a few outlaw ambassadors on, so you you're going to continue that great trend, I hope. Right, yeah. I wanted you to know that um, we had our outlaw volunteers dinner, where Ian invites all the people who've um he invites everybody that's volunteered at a race uh, this year, and then. Or I think it's mostly the the regular crew that, that have volunteered a lot. So there was about sixty people there. And before we sit down to eat, he always says thank you to the, the the office staff who were there, the full time. And then he says thank you, and he wants he always likes to read out some of the feedback we get from people. You know, afterwards, mostly people who say that the commentary team were great. Obviously. <laughs> or, 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 or and i'm joking there or that the start you know that the, the people helping me out of the swimmer grey, great or the volunteers in general brilliant they get me enthused when i was feeling you know <clears throat> a bit sorry for myself but this year he read out a letter from this chap right and uh obviously as he was reading it out i'm nudging my wife saying that's the chap i'm interviewing on monday it's liam colebrook now um i think we should probably put this in the show notes liam Bit, because it might take me a, f- a few minutes to read through it and it'll probably it'll probably steal your thunder with the rest of the podcast but the bottom line is that outlaw triathlon saved your life didn't it uh, amongst other things i know that and people have probably listened looked at the title for this and thought wow that's that's a bit of clickbait there simon but when when we listen to this in a minute and when people listen back um they're going to find out why so uh, I'm I'm not out of the park with that one, am I? Saying that? No,
1: I mean outlaw triathlon um, was a, a, a huge contributing factor in, in my recovery, which we'll, we'll push on as we're chatting through. But yeah, I will I will say outlaw triathlon contributed to saving my life,
0: definitely. Okay, well, let's rewind then and go right back to the beginning, Um before before you've uh, found out about outlaw triathlon, you. You have been a triathlete. You did Ironman Bolton, didn't you? Um, a few years ago. I think
1: I have been a triathlete. It's quite a bold statement. Yeah, I'm uh, going to say no, no. You're always a triathlete,
0: aren't you? You've not just <laughs> been a triathlete. Uh,
1: no, I meant I meant it in the lines that calling myself a triathlete for for hobbling around Bolton is probably a the boldest yeah. statement. Now, but if yeah, you got, <laughs> I've completed an Iron Distance triathlon, um, and I've completed one sprint, um, and that was kind of. 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I've, I have done triathlon
0: in the past. Well, you've got to the end. You got to the finish line. You got the medal. Man, that makes you a triathlete, right? It doesn't just, matter whether you've done that 100 times or just one time. You're just a triathlete. It was
1: the guy that was cleaning the roads behind me, that
0: was a problem. <laughs> well, there's a story about um, the the founders of the Ironman brand. We don't like talking about that at Outlaw. We always call it the other outlaw races. Um, and anybody that's a, an outlaw fan will be familiar with that, that um, tongue in cheek comment, but um, the, the couple who founded the Ironman, their son was doing the race a few years later when they didn't have any time limits on how long he could take to finish. And he said the worst thing um, that can happen in a race is when you're still trying to finish. And the newspapers with the date with the race from the previous day are being published, and they're being put at their <laughs> newsstands. And yeah. you're still running past, and it's got Ironman results. Hold on a minute, my name won't be on there yet. Um, so you, you, at least these days, you were uh, you, you get to finish before midnight, so you're not you're not, you're not in that category.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, okay, let's so let's let's rewind. Let's start to tell people the story about um, how we got to this point without law. Um, Please, I'll, I'll let you open, Liam. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'll, I'll start in the middle, really, not at the end, where at the end I'm going to be recovering recovery for the rest of my life. But probably a good place to start is I, I, I came public with my struggles in May uh, 2023, and I struggled for quite a few years before um, and when I say quite a few years, I mean as, as long as I can remember. Really, and that's the depression, the anxiety, um, and any insight with addiction as well. But it was something that was very spoke of in the corporate world. So I decided to go public on LinkedIn and share my story, and it was viewed by tens of thousands. You know, the, the response that I got was uh, quite overwhelming, quite emotional um and the response that i got back was people have no idea you know at the time i was working quite a senior job i had 45 50 people in my team Um, and nobody had a clue i was always out on the beer having fun and no one had put two and two together and assumed that actually i was wearing a mask every time i went to work every time i was at home every time I was at the football. But the reason why I carried on talking after I'd done that post was people have their own stories. You know, the amount of phone calls, WhatsApps, direct messages, real, real confidential things. People say, you know what, I'm struggling as well. And not necessarily with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no scale, what I've learned over the last four months. So there's no scale to say this is worse than that. But what, what I realized was people, the people were struggling. And it was almost I'd taken it upon myself, and I said, You know what? I've got to start helping people speak out and lowering the stigma of mental health, of addiction, uh, and everything else that goes with that. And That's why we sat here really today.
0: When you when and you go into work and you've got a, you know you've got a big group of people that you're managing, if you like, responsible for. Do you, do you almost have to develop two personalities then in order to hide things? For me
1: with. My mental health. I had many masks that I wore. I had masks that I wore at home. I had masks that I wore when I was at work in internal meetings. Um, I work in customer facing. A customer facing roles so had another mask that I wore when I was in customers, and then I take that off to drive up the motorway to to put back on again in front of another customer. Wow. So I had a I had a suitcase full of masks. Um,
0: <laughs> right.
1: The, the, the only the only time that I, I was not really wearing a mask
0: was when I was on my own. I mean, I mean, and that's in itself must be training on your mental health, having having to keep that mask or to keep those masks on. Because I know we all go through that in some periods, don't we? Even people who don't think they've got mental health problems have days when they feel up and days when they feel down. For me, it's usually connected with my sleep. But I recognise now that I can be a bit irritable sometimes and feel a bit miserable and morose. And, um, and I think, well, if 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 that's how you are every day and you every time you go out, you have to, you know, get a mask on, get a different mask on, get into, get in, like in Pulp Fiction, you know, when he talks about, let's get into character because they're, they're sitting in the car talking about the uh, McDonald's burgers and then they have to go and do what they're going to do. Right, time to get into character. You're having to get into character 24-7, aren't you, and different characters and remember what those characters are.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the... Maybe a bit more detail later on, but I remember one time sat in a car park. I actually, tears were in down my face, and then I was walking into a meeting to present to fifteen people mm. around some numbers, and I had ten minutes to to get my to change my. I don't say get my data face on, but I don't like using that term because it, it almost downplays mm. people. But that might be where I am now, and yeah, I I had to change my mask. I had to to, to quickly get the Right, which which one am I putting on now? Because I can't go in like this.
0: Because this is this mm. is not what I need people to see. Mm. Um, how long had you been suffering from anxiety again? And I asked this question because my father had anxiety for a long, long time in his life, probably probably from his m- mid twenties, and it was something that he kept hidden from me and my brother and sister for an awful long time yeah. as well. I
1: mean, I mean, you know, if we start right back at the start, you know, I'm, I've had a loving family. You know, everything's perfect really at home everything But went. then I went, I went plastering and um, and I got quite lonely when I was, was plaster by trade although I ended up being a salesperson um, mm. I was plastered by trade and you know plastering different plots out or houses at the time got quite lonely and maybe that's when I first noticed it so enough to question how long I've been suffering for Um, it's a difficult one to answer but I certainly think you know I think 15, 20 years ago, I can probably look back now and say, no, that's probably when I first started struggling, but I didn't really know it. Mm. Um, In hindsight, looking back, I mean, we've not spoken around what my uh, crutch was for my depression or anxiety, but people people understand very quickly, but that's when I started to gamble,
2: Mm. when
1: I was lonely.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I was using gambling as a crutch 15 years ago, probably, for my depression and my anxiety.
0: And did you ever seek help at that time? Then did you ever look around? I mean, I know you said you kept it hidden, but privately, did you did you look for help or somebody to talk to?
1: Not not in the early days. Um, I kind of accepted that's where I was because you know I had some really really happy times. You know, I'm not going to sit here now. I've got two amazing kids. I was at the time married. I've got my my brother. I've got some real real happy memories. This is not. It's only in recent times that, that I really began to struggle with my mental health um but even then i don't want to take anything away from the the, the events in my life because i've had some happy times as well so
0: mm-hmm. and so that would have meant that you wouldn't have had any medication to help you along with that although i'm i'm, I'm never sure whether medication is is a help or a hindrance in the long run i mean that, that
1: I, I personally didn't take medication for a, a lot of people that that do and have it, and it works really well so I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say it's mm-hmm. good better and different I think that you know science suggests it's probably good and, and it works for some people but I, I never um ever at that point seemed real help it wasn't until um I got to a point maybe three years ago where you know everything I just started to get a bit too much and I started thinking things that Actually, do you know what? I'm not sure I should be thinking this.
2: Mm.
1: And I went to the doctors and and I sat in front of the the doctor at the time and and I said what I was thinking. And he says, "Look, well, what, what? Why? You know, why do you think that? Or why do you believe what you're saying? Because you know, for me, I was worried about everything. Anxiety for me. That's people ask me, "What does it feel like to anxiety?" and I had a little filing cabinet in my mind, and I would and I would look through this filing cabinet until I found something to worry about. And that did happen. I, I can worry. about I sat with the doctor, um, and they put me in contact with a with a therapist. Mm. Now, oh, go on. No, no, go
0: on I was going to say three years ago, we're talking about the, the pandemic, aren't we? And COVID. Do you think that was a trigger for you then? The, the fact that this, we this,
1: were this is pre pre COVID. Really, I mean, this oh, okay. Was, it was only just pre coding This was probably January, February. Uh, and I went, and, and at the time, I was due to see a therapist. And bear in mind, you know, I've had like 15 years, and I mentioned gambling. And I mean, I've not mentioned it. I started to drink quite a bit as well. But my gambling, um, in my mind, wasn't a problem. I had some money troubles. I had some depression. I had some anxiety. Um, but for me, gambling wasn't a problem. And I was... My mental health had got me to a point where irrational thoughts had, had, had felt really rational. Okay. So I, 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 I never actually spoke, sorry to answer your question around the pandemic. I never actually met somebody in therapy because it was over on the telephone. And mm. Because COVID did arrive after the doctor's visit. But actually, I never spoke to anyone face to face. It was on the phone. And, and the first round of therapy, if that's, that's the right term, was very much me convincing the person that just end of the phone that everything was fine. Mm -hmm. Everything was absolutely perfect. I'd had some money troubles, but you know what? Don't you worry about it. And those masks came to the surface again. You
0: know I'm 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 curious, you you say that it started 15 to 20 years ago and now when you first recognize that there was something going on, but then three years ago it, it seemed to get worse was there a was there a trigger that you could put your finger finger on that then accelerated that
1: no i think when i when i mentioned you know about 15 years ago i don't think back then i thought that i was struggling it's only in hindsight that i look back and i go Actually, you know what maybe i've been struggling for quite some time here mm-hmm. um you know even up until 12 months ago maybe even even now i said you know what only now i can look back for the, for the last two or three years ago gosh I was really screaming mm-hmm. and sometimes when when I was in real real deep depression when my addiction had really got hold of me I didn't even realize that I was struggling
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and I'll give you an example when we speak about the' when we're speaking about the, the pandemic and I've convinced um every therapist that I spoke to that was fine and we I had split screens and we was you know, there was furloughs and everything that we was all dealing with in the pandemic. Mm. Um, I had work on one screen. The way I was dealing with my problems, I had gambling on the other. But at the time, I didn't realise I had a gambling problem. Mm. I was escaping. I was using it as a coach.
0: Yeah. it's. I've often thought about triathlon. And you know, I've been doing triathlon for since 1987. So that's... 36 years, although I've not done any triathlons. So there's that whole thing again. I've not done any triathlons since 2017. So am I a triathlete still? I've done plenty, so I'll call myself a triathlete. Yeah. Um, but over the years I've met a few people who have been open enough to share that they had addictions to drugs, to alcohol, and triathlon helped them turn the corner. But I often wonder also, you know, and I've wondered about myself. Where the triathlon because of the volume of training is is something that attracts people with addictive personalities. And if it wasn't this, it would be that. Um, and we all, of course, because we're doing something that involves swimming, biking, and running, we look like the epitome of good health and people marvel at our um, insurance feats. We we sort of think that that's good, but an addiction's an addiction, right? And there are times when it gets too far. Do you, do you think it's... I mean, you've shared that you were a gambling addict and you've shared that you... Your drinking was becoming a bit of a problem as well. Do you think you've just, when you were doing triathlon, was swapping one addiction for another?
1: Potentially. Um, I think, um, again, we're we'll, we'll, at risk of jumping around the story, you know, I ended up in rehab. And I remember one of the therapists saying, don't quote me word for word, but it was something along the lines of if you're doing it to excess and it's having a negative impact on your life, then it can be your addiction. Um, yeah. So, but I, I, even now, I have to almost pull the reins back a little bit because if I don't get up and um, get on was lift at 6.30 in the morning and it's now 7.30, I've missed my little hour's window, I'm always cross for the rest of the day with myself. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, it's not.
0: Yeah, There'll be lots of people nodding along with you there, I think.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it throws your whole day out. You're like, well, um, that's it. I'm not going to finish the outdoor now in, in the summer because I've missed an hour's training six
0: months earlier on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, well, well, but I mean, you know, that what you said earlier about not not believing you had a problem and that everything was under control. There will be a, a, lots of triathletes who do a lot of training, and I mean, you know, I've, I've never been in that sort of fifteen or 20 hours and you know i've got to get out in all weathers and i've got to get up at 5am and i'm i'm training when i'm ill um but i know there are people that are like that and but they all say well i haven't got a problem i'm training for an Ironman, man or i'm training for the outlaw and they can almost brush it off as i've got this thing that i'm aiming for at the end of it so therefore that's okay yeah it is like i
2: say it's
1: i can only speak on personal experience i'm i've not Come on here, you know, to, to judge, to point,
0: thing or anything. No, but, no. but when I was in rehab, it was if you do anything to excess, it's having a negative impact on your life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, I agree. It's a, it's a point worth reiterating. I'm not judging here, and I'm think I'm examining myself sometimes when I'm thinking yeah, yeah, about exactly. that whole thing. Meditation but it, long it, long it, long. but there are things that I observe, and and sometimes I do wonder when I, I speak to some people how healthy that 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 training habit is for, for some people. Um. So let let's get back to your story then, yeah, Liam. We, we, yeah, yeah. Bef- bef- no, no, that's that's fine. It's how, you know I love the way the podcasts uh, conversations always jump around and go down rabbit holes. So uh, going backwards and forwards is is no problem at all. Y- you and I had a a conversation last week as a, a as a prelude to this this chat, and you were kind enough to share with me a PowerPoint which you use when you're sharing your story with other folks um, to mm. you know just to make people really aware. Um and it starts off with this photograph of you sat on a wall with a hoodie, hands clasped around your knee with a cup of tea. And I'm not sure whether you're in deep contemplation. You're you're you I can't tell whether you're tired. You might have just been training or been swimming. But um yeah that, that's the picture you shared with me. And I wonder what the significance of that picture was. I think
1: that was the picture um I think I know that was the picture that I went public with on LinkedIn. And for those, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn quite easily. But if you go back to last May, you'll see that post. And I looked poorly there. and I used hindsight quite a little quite a bit um over the last 10-15 minutes. But in hindsight, I was really poorly. You know, I was struggling with mental health, I was struggling with addiction. And if you saw that person walking towards you, you'd think that that, that guy is struggling at all. What I don't think you would think is that guy's got a gambling problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why I shared that photo. But, um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose just kind of typified of what, what mental state I was in. And very rarely they call it hidden addiction gambling because it's very easy to hide because. There's no, no substance, what a better way of going in, into your body. That's mm. another thing. But, um, so there's a perception that, you know what, that guy's okay. I'm really struggling on the inside. And, you know, that, as I was saying earlier around me speaking to the therapist on the phone, I've convinced myself I was okay now. Mm. And I've convinced the therapist I was okay Mm-hmm. So, there's no chance that anyone else was going to because I didn't know myself and the therapist that I sat with they didn't know. Mm. But, you know, fast forward 18 months after sitting or being on the phone, and I'm progressing through work. I've had like five promotions in five years. Um, everything's tickety-boo. I've got two amazing kids and, and everything, all the happiness that goes with that, or perceived happiness. <laughs> um, I've got i'm traveling around the world you know i've been to kuala lumpur i've been to china i was having a from the outside looking in i was living the best life hmm. but i'm now at a point where i'm worse than i've ever been and i needed to to get help and i remember um getting help through the same therapist that i spoke on the phone and this time it's done and i can speak to them face to face but i self-referred through a through their website. And I got an automated email back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And on the email, it, it spoke of, you know, the details you provided, you're very distressed. Um, it spoke, it said things like immediate risk of harm and to seek 999 if you're really struggling. And I remember getting that email and I was reading it and I found, oh gosh, these algorithms are terrible and need have been fixing. Mm. Because in my mind, I wasn't that poorly. Right. Yeah. Every, Everything around me was, again, and I don't want to keep using the word hindsight, but everything was saying I was. Mm. And I went in then for a second round of therapy, but I didn't believe I had a gambling problem. Um, again, um, I had some money troubles. I was struggled with depression, um, struggled with anxiety, struggled with everything that I spoke about, <clears throat> but only really spoken of. Depression and anxiety. You know, the the drinking, the gambling, really
0: an issue really mm. time, in my own mind. Yeah, and I think, you know, you you said that particularly with gambling, it's difficult to tell by looking at somebody. You can usually tell if somebody's been drinking. I mean you can smell it if you can, if they're if they're on drugs or something, you can usually see it in their face and in their eyes. Um but it does just highlight the fact that we just never know about anyone do we you know i I mentioned to you before that we live by the canal here and people often walk past and it's you know on a sunny day it's beautiful and there's a bench outside the front of our house and people sit on it and they could just be sat there looking at the ducks but they could be sat there Mm. contemplating something less happy than that and you never know and I, i think if you if you're out walking and you see somebody i wonder you know whether it's incumbent upon all of us just to ask the question if you think something's not right with somebody. I mean, you like you say, they might have say they might not know that there's something wrong, just that they're not feeling so good. But but you never know, do you? And you certainly won't know if you don't ask that question.
1: No, and, and, and oh, I'll remind me about that little story when in about two minutes. But when I was in therapy this time, i started to open up, and I spent a lot of sessions in and, and tears and all that. But I've kind of there's a little acceptance in my mind as I checked out of this round of therapy that I was just going to live a three out of ten life that the cards had been dealt that said, you know what? Your life is going to be three out of ten, man. And I remember sat in a Starbucks not long after and it was young girls laughing. And we were sat having the, the coffee with a cake, laughing away. And I remember sat there thinking, how thank you, they? hmm how fake and they just sit there and laughing, joke with each other. But they wasn't safe. It was just two young girls happy enjoying a coffee and cake with But mm. I thought everybody felt like me. I thought everybody was living a three out of ten life. So they it wasn't possible but they could just be having a nice time.
0: So when 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 was this that you were sat in Starbucks then? After you After I'd come out of
1: therapy for the second time. Um I'd had the first round on the telephone i kind of convinced them I was okay. Mm. i had have the second round of therapy. Again, not, I wouldn't say convinced them I was okay, but I'd accept, I'd convinced, every, again, myself that, mm. you know what, well, this is, I've tried a few times now to make myself better mm. in the in commerce, but actually where I am now, it may be, maybe that's just the level of happiness that people have in life.
0: Mm. So when you when you did your first therapy, it, um it wasn't one of these things that you commonly see on the telly where you go and sit in a group and it's a group type thing. You you actually checked yourself into a unit, didn't you? The
1: first, The first, um, not to be confused with rehab, the first therapist I had was on the telephone, one-to-one. Okay. The second one, which we we are just chatting around now where I left and, and kind of caught was living a three-out-of-ten life, was again one-to-one, but face-to-face with COVID had done now. Um. I do eventually end up in, in rehab, which saved my life. And we, we can touch on that because as I came out of um that therapy session, I had kind of discharged and a few months went by. And you mentioned about um you know checking in on people. I, I I started to really struggle that I thought, you know what, this is I'd I'd come out of therapy thinking I was gonna live a three out of ten life, but I kind didn't of expect that to just carry on then for the rest of my life. And actually all that happened was I'd slowly deteriorated. You know, I was not sleeping at night. Mm. You know, I was gambling through the night and setting my alarm for 20 minute intervals because I didn't want tomorrow to come. You know, it makes me feel quite emotional now. You know, I was scared to bring. Mm. so, so I would set, I remember setting remember laying there, setting my alarm on my iPhone, loads of alarms and every 20 minutes just switching all along. So if I fell asleep, I'd wake course. I was close tomorrow was near the other mm. ah. I'd gamble on, on NFL with a knife mm. um because they would me awake it was it was a tough time I remember and this is a real tough thing and I you know i debated whether to say something right like, but I'm I sure my kids I can make breakfast Everyone me. I want this it was tough um and I don't want anyone ever to feel that way mm. um, and and you mentioned about you know chatting to people around um asking people are on a bench. I am going for a walk. Um I started writing journaling to myself so that you know if anything um anyone ever questioned that there might be a level of understanding. And, and I I think I I'll be out now, it's quite quite triggering for me, but you know, I, I said I went I went for a walk last night, I needed to escape. I don't want to go home with a few other words on there as well. But the last seven words of this will stay with for the rest rest of my life. So I think I'm ready to go now.
0: Mm, Wow. Okay. And so uh, at what point is this then in in the timeline?
1: 2021, 22? Yeah, something like that. Maybe a bit. in 22 at some point, I guess. Mm. And I think the important thing, if I was going to sit with myself now and to anyone that's listening, is... That's never the case. You know, this is, you know, I remember getting a call off of a mate, bringing for a chat around that time. Um, if anyone's ever struggling when you get to that point, you know, don't, well, i not I to ever get to that point, but you know, there's a lot of good people out there to help. Mm. Mm. I was poorly then, I was really poorly. <laughs> but I had a choice to make and I ended up reaching out to an online charity called or an online chat called Gambling Therapy, and it's strange what I'm just about to say. But I didn't think I had a gambling problem. I thought I was severely depressed. And um, so, why would I reach out to Gambling Therapy? Maybe I knew I had a gambling problem, but as I sit here now, I don't think I thought I had a gambling problem then.
0: Is this? So, is this? You, you shared a slide with me. Is this thought? Is this when you had the conversation with Laura? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I could see it. Is there just this third line? Is this a real person or a robot? Hello, oh, I'm actually a real person my name's Laura um yeah, so I'm we'll turn
1: for the gentleman. yeah so this is what you're looking at is the actual transcript from from my chat uh with gambling therapy and you've the, been the, 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 the on there but you know I think there's a couple of important points that that were chatted around on that chat and, and you mentioned you know is that a is it a body you or know, chat to a real person is, there was someone out there to help me. Um, but one of the questions that, that Laura asked was, may I ask if your family and friends are aware of the situation? And it was a, no. You know, nobody knew at work. I was wearing those masks.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: maybe family knew, but certainly not to the levels that, that my mental health had taken me. Um, I was really poorly, but no one really knew to the extent. And I think, you know, but I sat there writing and chatting. I don't think I knew how poorly I
2: was using mm-hmm.
1: And that was common throughout the whole of my journey. I never knew how poorly I really was. Okay. I've normalized. So,
0: no, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's fine. And so uh, um, during or towards the end of that conversation then, what, what guidance was Laura giving you, if any? Or was she just asking you questions?
1: Really? No, quite refreshing. You, you know, chatting to a... Somebody that understands, somebody that you can relate to, and somebody that makes you feel like, you know what, you're not, not unique.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the right word. Um, but there's other people out there that are struggling and you not on your own. And I, I, I'm, I'm reading it now. It says, I'd like to go away, I'll come back a bit Percy, but I know that's not possible. Yeah. Um, the response back from that was, you could try residential treatment. Mm hmm going to give you the little link to Gordon Moody, who we were a gambling harm charity that I won't call it in the rest of it, but they saved my life. You know, let's not be around the bush. They were an amazing charity that um, there's been a lot of contributing factors to me getting better. But these were the first people on the journey for me I really getting my life back on track. And I was introduced to Gordon Moody. And it was amazing. They would ring me up, um, ask me to go in and chat all the time. Um, it's a difficult one because at this point, still, I don't think I've got a gambling problem. I'm chatting to an organization that helped people with are struggling with gambling harm. But I didn't, I don't want to say believe, I knew I, I knew I was poorly, but I didn't think I had any. Um, you know, I believe I could
0: stop whenever I want it do, do you mind if I ask this um, Liam and please t- t- tell, tell me to mind my own business if it's getting too close to the line now but you, you said you didn't have a gambling problem but yet you were they were gambling getting up in the middle of the night to place bets on things I, I guess amongst that um, th- there's a few wins but there's more losses and debts are mounting up um, mm-hmm. were you still able to make ends meet at this point and um, or would there have been a point when you can just see a statement from somewhere and you think, actually, that is a problem now because it's there in black and white. It's written down, you know. It's not something that's in your head. It's there physically in front of you.
1: Yeah, and I often get asked um, at what point do you realise you've got a gambling problem? Because you know, financially, I've lost everything. And materialistically, I've lost everything. When you start gambling with your emotions, and to a point where, you know what, it doesn't involve money anymore, it involves things that are much greater than money, that's when you think, you know what, yeah, I've got a problem here. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a financial situation, as far as I was concerned, this was just a blip yeah. And they turn a corner, and for me, gambling harm had resulted in, the, the only way out for me was to gamble again, because mm-hmm. once I've got the big win, mm-hmm. We can breathe again we're back on
0: track okay so you, you you go to you get the therapy from gordon movie moody, moody you, you've shown a photograph is it belden house yeah um, so
1: what, well, is well, that, what is that
0: is that residential then and you go there and you you're there 24 yeah, well, some...
1: gordon Moody was chatting to me quite a lot um and it was amazing and they was ringing her up and said you know what i remember saying we'll get you in in february and i was thinking you know the master came back again Simon. So mean, they were saying i was saying fantastic that's brilliant news but the must for i was saying that because deep down i was thinking i'm not i'm not sure i can make it to everybody i'm i'm struggling there. and mm-hmm. i went i actually looked very homeless wow i picked my spot and i picked my tent and the irrational thoughts in my mind and been that rationalized to a point where i wasn't thinking anything i think you know my mum and dad had come out and say where's Where's I oh, he lives in the tent in the field. And don't know, I'll pop a I, I rationalised it so much in my mind that that, that was quite
2: normal.
1: Mm. And then I got a call off Gordon Moody says, so you we we really need to get you. You're not you're not well." So you're right. I went into um Gordon Moody, and I I went for a residential retreat for gambling. And I got you walk through the door, your phones go away, everything disappears, but. What I will say is, given that I didn't believe I had a gambling problem, I had some mental health problems, some money problems, some anxiety. I had a bet on the way to there. I had a bet on the way to gambling rehab after convincing myself I didn't have a gambling problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow!
0: So, how long did you how long did you spend in there? Because you've been you've had two visits to there, right? It's a 12
1: week program I was on, um, but I was in there for. A week, um, I started to feel better. You know, as the week went on, you know, people in the mind's eye now will be listening to a podcast, they kind of what rehab's like. And you know, rehab's not like in the movies. You don't drive up a big country estate, and at the end there's a a doctor with a, a white coat on and mm-hmm. greets you and welcome, Mr. Colbrook. No, it's not like that. Um where I was, it was a B and B that was the, the you and I could stop in at the weekend, but I was there. And then, yeah, we walk through the door, get your room,
0: and you begin to kind of get your life back on track, really. So you're there for 12 weeks. So I'm trying yeah. to think here, how, how how did you, or it's a 12 week program, how did you balance that out with working and you know, people not knowing about your situation? So
1: I was there for one week originally, uh, initially, that's not really. Um, and then there's a time of, Kind of heavy um intense therapy in the middle, and then you go back into to rehab. again.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um but I told I, I booked holiday to go. But still at this point no one knows. Work, believe I'm on annual leave. or I don't believe I was on annual leave, <laughs> Work, believe really I'm on holiday. Um, but you know, I was sat in rehab and it was it was a tough time. You know, I sat crying for a week, really. Um, mm-hmm. it was one of the hardest weeks of my life, but Start to pick up, start to get better. Um, still believing, convinced myself that I've got a gambling problem, and I I left rehab. I walked out the door crying. It's tough, and um, I left rehab, and I was told I had to check in with them. And I got back, so I, I was struggling. Really struggling, and I had to put a team's call with them, and I sat in that same Starbucks. I do a lot of um, conversations, questioning why you're there, and I and I. So I said I need I need benchmarking. I'm like give me something to you know what triathletes like I'm I'm doing things that want a I give give me something have I got better or have I got worse what, what? and I remember him saying I'll never ever forget as a team of specialists we me they don't keep the baby Past Christmas I you not demand. It's still tough to say that Um and that's why I'll be forever grateful of my charity as Gordon Moody and what they've contributed to my life. Mm-hmm. Um but the reality is I was there with severe anxiety, severe depression, severe psychological distress, I think was the word used. But most importantly for me, which I was still in, I don't want to say denial, because nobody was telling me I was struggling to really so I was a pathological gambler. You know, nobody sat telling me. I think that even the therapists have said, you know, what, just park that because limbs got other things to sort of live. I don't know, I'm no expert. I'm not I'm not going to say that that I am, but I I came out and you was asking, you know, what what was uh how did you what it's worth I said I' did your leave and I remember walking around the office for a week and I was you know sure it was my holiday this was this was me on holiday last week and then the phone rang and it was um Darvish Constabulary and Do Constabulary rang me for a welfare check somebody had reported me to Do Constabulary for someone that's struggling with mental illness mental health and I thought was not right, maybe maybe I am poorly. because so again I've convinced myself that I was okay I've convinced myself that I didn't have a gambling problem um, but yeah I've written I just had a week in rehab I just got a call off February my finances were beyond repairable I thought but I started to tell a few people and people getting bit supportive I don't know what I was telling them but I don't want what I believed yeah. Well, I got to. So yeah, I was walking around the office showing everyone my holiday photos and then the phone rang and it was the police, it was Darvish Constabulary and I think you know anyone that's struggling with the mental health, certainly me at that time, that call off Derbyshire Constabulary was it was tough, it was quite worrying but then when you find out what they actually run for and that was for a welfare check on my own well-being, it really does make me think, am I okay to give Despite being in rehab for a week, excuse me, despite you know, everything that I've done to the, of to therapy prior to rehab, Let when, me just, when the okay. police ring re- re- you and ask, are you okay? If you've never spoken to someone's reported. you do begin to question, Well, i love to begin to question, you know, maybe I am a little bit poorly. I
0: hope you're enjoying the show so far and learning a lot. If you aren't already a regular listener, I hope you feel you might come back. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so you know whenever a new episode arrives. I publish these twice a week, ad-free, and with the mission of improving the health and performance of endurance athletes around the world. And to help me, I'd love it if you could share the episode with one person you think could benefit. If you have a couple more minutes, perhaps you could leave me a review on your chosen platform once you've finished listening to this episode. Okay, let's get back to the show. This might be a good time to ask you now. You know, I mentioned earlier about um, when we see somebody who, who's looking lost or just out there and you're thinking, are they okay? Um one thing that might hold us back from asking that question is wondering, well, do they actually want me to see if they're okay? Would they rather just be left alone with their own thoughts? So, you know, if, if that was to occur, if, if that situation was to happen to somebody who's listening here, um, what, what what would you say to that? Because the police, that, that is, you know, the police are ringing you out of the blue. That is like somebody asking if you're okay. We're a bit worried about you. You could have equally said, well, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Um, I don't need you. Which is, which is what
1: I did say to the police, I'm honest with you. But I put the phone down thinking, maybe I'm not okay. You know, i convinced my, my the masks came to the surface for me
2: mm.
1: again. You know, I kept pulling the masks out at every opportunity. And, and again, when the when the police rang, my immediate response was my go-to word for many years before that is quick get a mask, everything's fine. But answer the question, you know, about a I can only answer it in my own in my own thoughts. I everyone is struggling. I guess for me, would I have spilled everything to you? Probably not. Would I have been happy with somebody to take my mind off my troubles? Definitely I do you know to sit and have a conversation with someone for no other reason than a nice conversation I don't think it's ever a bad thing. But that, that's only my opinion everyone's going to be slightly different. But yeah if somebody sat with me and said I don't know, all right. Did you watch the game last week or whatever it might be just five minutes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So um I'm as we're talking, I'm moving through your slides with you, Liam. There's a there's an interesting photograph here. It says realization. There's a picture of a mascot. It
1: yeah,
0: is is it a stag that one there? Is it the Mansfield Town unfor- stag?
1: Unfortunately, for my children, I have a little boy and a little girl, um, and unfortunately, I blame my dad, by the way. <laughs> So they are not still time fans. Um and the little note that you're looking at is realisation, and that's the point in my story where I realize I've got a problem because I know I'm getting a bit emotional now, so I apologize. But I realise I've got a problem because I've started to you asked me earlier about when did you how can you you wasn't used words, but I get asked this question you know, how do you how can you not know you've got a damn problem? When you've lost three months. at what point do you realise you've got a gambling problem? And, and this was the turning point for me. Used the red realization, and that and that's what I call it because I was now gambling that if my bet lost, I was it was more than money that I was going to when I was gambling with my life. Yeah, and, and I went to the football. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, I went to the football, but I feel quite shaky now. I told this story probably. 40 times in the last 20 weeks and never at this moment in it music. But, and, you know, me telling my story isn't therapy through a microphone. No, I'm not telling my story because it helps me. I'm telling my story now because I want anyone to ever struggle. I want to make my kids proud. I want everyone, anyone to know that if you are struggling, that you're not the first person to a struggle and you're not on your own. But I went on a little tangent there, so I'm getting quite emotional, but, but I went to the football and I had a, one last bet and try and look at the other screens and the picture of my pigs on there. So I'm going to take that down as I like crying on the top there. And I had, a, I had over two and a half goals in the match. That, that meant that I stayed alive really financially and, and every other way possible. But, you know, this was in the middle of a, I don't call it a relapse because it's in, it's in the middle of me acknowledging I've now got a problem. And that, uh, I needed two and I needed three goals and at, and at half time it was nil nil. But knowing that I've got a gambling problem, I did as all well gamblers do, I guess, and I went again. And this time I needed two goals. Uh, I think it was the eighty fourth minute. Mansfield scored, and I looked at my little boy and my little girl and they other jumping and cheering, and the whole stadium was ecstatic. You know, we've got a winner with five minutes to go and. Deep down, I knew that wasn't enough for me. That's why I'm going to do this publicly now. It's just it's a tough thing to say out loud, but it wasn't enough. And Four or five minutes later, in the injury time, or just before, there was another goal. And the opposition equalised. The um, whole stadium was quiet. It was a pin drop. And I looked at my kids, and, and I mentioned earlier really about what I am doing prior. and this is, everyone's got a, a bond with the kids, and I looked at them, and I could see it. Sadly, one. Well, I'm grumpy, well, I'm you know, this is, this is terrible news. This is the world's ending. We've had an injury time equaliser. And I looked at them both and I thought, this is how they feel when the home team conceded an injury time equaliser. Well, how would they feel if they had back coming around anymore? Mm. Wow.
0: So it's
1: tough, tough to say mm. so That's where my, my uh, I'm actually telling.
0: Don't apologise, uh, please
1: and um, I decided um, to turn my lap around a little I can't help it, but I'm um, Sorry, so I went home, and at this point, I've not been drinking for three really months, So I decided to put a drink as well to really make things a great um, And I opened a carrot of I didn't drink it. I just got about three swallows out of it and then put it on the sink because I needed to, Reset all my clocks together. I needed everything to start fresh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what I did. I started everything again, and I went back to rehab. Um, and at this time, I've gone to rehab in you know, a much, I want to say, better place. I've gone in there knowing that I've got gambling problem. I've gone in there knowing I've got mental health problems, and I know I've gone in there knowing I'm I'm poorly. And now I know that I'm poorly. I can get better. So I went in and I embraced everything. You know, I spoke around earlier about using gambling as a coach for my depression. And I realised I was doing that now. And I began to get better as the week went on. And every day that went by, once i come out of it, I was improving. I was, you know, me and my partner split up. And the mother and my children. Um, and we still got on really well, which is amazing. Um, and it's important to understand as well that you know, what my gambling isn't doesn't just affect me. There's, I think for every one person that struggles with gambling harm, there's seven people that are immediately impacted. And it might be more than that. So I've got those numbers wrong. I apologize. But you know this is this is not just a effective move Um but I came out and knew my, my partner um to the top and I was getting better now every day I was I remember I moved to a place and I was sleeping on a mattress in the front bedroom, still at work, no one knew. Um, so I lay on a mattress um, and a mate of mine brought a bed around I lay on the bed that night and I was on I called the the week about privileges and things like that and you go from a mattress on the floor to a bed and I lay looking at the ceiling and I thought Do you know what I'm coming back here I'm coming back
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I felt just by not being lay on a mattress on the floor anymore being on a bed that's, it shouldn't be a privilege mm-hmm. but you take a lot of things <coughs> for granted in life and having a bit of mattress on a bed is probably one that I used to take for granted. But mm-hmm. not anymore. And I remember obviously I've lost all my money, but I remember my kids coming home one and a half a time and they saying, I want to get open towers. I can't afford to go to open tellers, but I couldn't afford to go on because i it was very expensive, but um I did have some money for some batteries and I remember Manchester were playing. I went and played on the part with the kids with. Me. We had the radio on and I said, look, well, we'll take, it. the opposition got a penalty. And I said, you know what, we'll take this penalty and if you save the penalty, we'll save it on the radio as no. well. So I took the penalty <laughs> and he saved it. I said, right, you watch now on the radio, it will save the penalty. And he did. You know, it and, I said, save the penalty. and it was, it was magical. And it was unbelievable. <laughs> and... He actually scored the rebound, and my little boy still do not know that this day. So, hopefully, I <laughs> can we'll podcast anytime soon. But um, I began to think, you know what? I'm getting better. Now, there's a lot of things happening, and there's of, I started to embrace every bit of help I could get. There was a lot of movie that helped me, and there two other charities that had, that had come on board, three other charities, should I say, that come on board, Step Change, and started to help with my money. Um, that was, it's been a, an amazing part of our career. Epic Restart Foundation. They was sending me on weekends away that money could buy some of the things that they was teaching me. It was, it was amazing. And then the the, the other charity was GamCare you know, through lived experience and starting to give back from the struggles that i have had and, and helping organisations like GamCare who help the gambling industry. say, you know what this, these are the signs. And however I could, I was trying to give back and. When I sat one day, would have been probably one Monday or Tuesday, and he's got an email off Outlaw.
0: ha uh-huh. the outlaw email. <laughs> outlaw email.
1: And it said, you know, we couldn't help it wasn't to me, it was a group email, a wide email. Um, we couldn't help on the bike free station. I think, I don't know for certain, but I think whatever I happened, there were some people that have um, could no longer make it on the feed station and would I be, would anybody be prepared to come and help? So, yes. It was the the beginning of, you know, at the start, we spoke around outlaw contributing to saving my life. And this was, it it contributed to my recovery and made to an an empty bit. You know, I went to that bike feed station in in the Indian restaurant car park, I want to say. Um, And it was no one knew me. No one knew of the, the 12 months that i had and the, the roller coaster that I'd been on. Um, I was getting water bottles out, I was giving gels out okay. and I was like, it's quite a, it was good to give back. It was, I was you know, giving back through the gambling harm space through charity and mm-hmm. they helped me amazing. I was trying to help other people but this was something different. It was just, I wasn't being judged on and being, it wasn't the gambling that was helping me be there. It wasn't the mental health that was, the reason I was there, um, it was good. And I remember going out on my bike on the Saturday. In fact, I think I was due to help out on the Friday. And I got there at like 6.30 Friday after work. And I
0: walked in and... Um, you met Theresa Hamilton. yeah, you know, Because you were late, weren't you? That's exactly what I was just about she, to say. Yeah. She said to me, this this guy came in and, and she said, and I asked him, who are you? And he said, I'm Liam Hilt Holbrook. Um, and she said in the two, Teresa, well, you're fucking late. You're supposed to be here at half past four. I was pretty late. <laughs> you're lucky that that was the uh, only part of her sharp tongue that you got. <laughs> but, uh, Teresa's great. Um, and she, she said, make sure you tell him that, won't you?
1: <laughs> and I was late. Yeah. Um, and, um, but, yeah, the Saturday pay I did, did whatever we did on the Saturday. And the Sunday, I remember Saturday night, was just pottering down the side of the canal. And I the headphones in, walking down, trying to try to read. Yeah, this is this was good. It was a nice night. It was good. And then, but not long after that, um, I might have even sorted it while I was there. But you know, I said I'll, I'll volunteer at Holcomb. I think the next one was. Yep. Amazing place. And, and again, the sun was shining.
0: Sun always the, the sun always shines in Holcomb. I don't think I've ever worked there when it stopped being shining.
1: Well, I'm doing Holcomb this year, and I don't know anyone said that. It chucks it down. So
0: no, no, no. I'll be there. It won't be. It won't be raining. Um, so
1: I, um, yeah, I did the, the 10k. I camped it was amazing but Yeah, it was brilliant weekend, for so many reasons. Um, helped out the following day. I remember driving back, thinking, you know what? I, again, no one's judging me from my past. No one's not that people have done. Put that on record, and everyone's been amazing. Not one person um had ever judged me in a in a way that I thought. Oh, okay, you know, I, I'm on a. I mentioned earlier about this. You know, this is in therapeutic microphone, I think was the word I used. I'm I'm on a one man crusade to try and lower stigma in everywhere I turn. Um Because I think if, if I'd have known I was struggling, and I, and I would I have spoken out. Probably not. I thought I, I, I believe at the time maybe that. So there's a stigma attached to it. And actually, in hindsight, I've used that word quite a lot. there has been nothing but support for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And every caller that I've turned, every person that I've spoken to around me, struggling on mental health. Anyway, so we, we digress. But I went to Holcomb, did that. Um, and then it was the fourth actually, that, wasn't
0: Yeah, full in July, yeah.
1: So I went for the weekend again. And
0: I the kids
1: did Future Outlaw, which was amazing. Yeah. Um the-
0: it's always a, the Future future outlaw's always amazing. Um I, I wish we could get more people to come down and watch because um oh. it's it's inspiring and it's emotional. <laughs> and that it's fun- and, it, and it's funny as well, you know. Some of the kids coming down, you could see that they've clearly been watching the telly and imitating the heroes as they come down waving to the crowd and you know, oh. doing little bow, getting the sun, getting their Oakley sunglasses up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I
1: tell you, I did. I tell her they, they did the first one as well in Nottingham. They did the future there as well. They came to the day, and I oh, was running down the orange carpet, high fiving. Um, my little girl was racing, my little mm-hmm. boy, my little boy was saying I wasn't racing, I was seeing how many high fives I could get. So that that caused them that caused a minor issue at the end when, when you have to tell them there's no winners, we're all in this together. But, um, but we um, I did Holcomb then went to Nottingham, did the future arrow I did the swim. Um the Outlaw swim. Um helped out on the fall. I can't remember what I did, and that's quite a hesitant, but I was there, I was helping out. Um and then the final weekend of the year was Thorsby.
0: Yeah, Outlaw, outlaw. Well it wasn't, it's was called Thor'sby. Thorsby Outlaw this year, wasn't it? It's usually the Outlaw X in the beginning yeah. of September, yeah.
1: And I've as I said, you know, said not a, 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 a at this point, I've got no way. Um right. I' unbebly I can't take the kids away um and I'm not ashamed to say you know the, the charities that we spoke about helped me through the means as well through um through vouchers and things like that. So but I went to to volunteer at Thorsby and again no one knew. no one knew that that was exactly 12 months since that conversation with Laura that we spoke about earlier. But I said I want to take a pill and just forever on the chat and said something like that. And they weren't aware of that situation. I said no.
2: Mm.
1: Four months a day on the Sunday. And on Friday, me and the kids, we built every single flag which the kids love. I'm gonna be honest, I find it a little bit tedious building every single flag in our dog. Um but we had a good laugh together and you know the kids volunteered and then we would wake up at silly o'clock and let's go to the volunteers' tent and let's go and get a sandwich. It's like, seriously, can we, can we just sort of just lying maybe I do uh, Well, there's a great, there's a,
0: there's a great picture you've shared on that PowerPoint presentation of your kids lying in the tent looking like they're having a great time.
1: <laughs> and that's it for me, yeah, absolutely. It's It was amazing, it was brilliant for me to spend 48 solid hours with the kids, you know, cooking marshmallows over the campfire and life, well, I was living my life again and we went to the volunteers' tent on the Sunday morning, Um I said, what 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 are we doing today? Because I'd been mess around the kids and not that down there until probably nine o'clock. It was well underway by this point, wasn't
0: it? Um, <laughs> yeah. Did, was probably telling you you were late again, was she?
1: Yeah, I'll break the kids now, there, because they're with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good
1: one. <laughs> no, but um, they put us on the medal, doing uh, the medals out
0: yeah i've I've seen the photograph as well it, it, the kids love handing out the medals, don't they? they're running backwards and forwards all day to collect more and putting them over people's shoulders. They're not bothered about Absolutely. the the sweaty sm- smelly athletes that are in front of them
1: but it was more than that for me because again, no one knew that to probably within about an hour it was the time when I was first started reaching out to help so with, I reached out for help at I think it was about twelve o'clock. <laughs> And I don't know for certain what time the first finisher would have crossed the line.
0: Yeah, round then.
1: And at that moment, my little boy and my little girl was putting medals around people's necks. Mm. And you know, like, I don't want this. This is not a, a story of sadness. This is not a story of you no. Know, look, this Williams had a tough time. This is. A, I want this to be a story of hope that if you're struggling, you, you can turn your life around. This, there's a lot of good people out there. And there's a lot of good charities. You know, and, there's a lot of people and family,
0: friends, trying to help me turn my life around. But that moment when those medals went around those nets, nobody on the planet knew the significance Just, that if, if if you don't mind me saying, Liam, it, as we've talked about this, and, and I, I can understand why, you know, because, uh, and I can understand and appreciate that it's been tough for you to, to share some of those um, stories a little earlier on. As we started talking about the outlaw, your enthusiasm and your face has changed. You know, I, I should imagine that people who are listening because I, I can see you on the screen here in front of me, they can't, they will have noticed a change in the pitch life. Uh, so you can almost see that you've come to rock bottom and now things are starting to improve and everything you do is improving, improving. And in the, in the letter that you shared um, with Ian at Outlaw, Ian Hamilton, that he read out to the, at the volunteers party at the end of, of the second paragraph, you say I, I understand i have been in recovery the rest of my life, but through 2023, my health, mental health, improved day by day. To be part of a day with my tribe makes every bit of recovery worthwhile. I mean, that's your tribe, which is your children, but I think it's also the tribe which we call the outlaw family.
1: My my, my tribe in that in that context with everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, I, I I write in that letter as well. I drove back from Hulk and thinking. I think that's how my tribe, you know, being outdoors, being with people of similar interests, being um, you know, you've not got to be a grandmate to, to compete and, and, and be part of Outlook. Everybody there for me made me feel so welcome. Um, you know, I did my 10K and I'm I thought see, I told all of this story. I, saw, I cried, a cry. But I've still not told you the time, in my 10 i I'm embarrassed at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we don't, we don't talk about the time you did, Lee, and we talk about the time you had, right? <laughs> and I, so, and, and if I think it was probably me or Lee would have called you across the finish line. So, mm. yeah, but but uh, you know, I, I, with a lot of athletes, they're focused on the outcome. What time did I do? You know, you can see them all if you if you come and stand by with me by the finish line at any one of the races next year when you're there you'll see people coming across and they they're not looking at the cameraman in front of them or, or you know looking at the, with the view behind them they're looking at their watch so all we get is a a photograph of the can't see the face just a bald patch um and i i lay into people about this good good in good humor but I, I talk about this and i put on post you know don't come across the line with your watch press it after you've got across the line and uh it's it's about the time you have, particularly at places like Holcombe. You know, you've got a beautiful, the beautiful house in behind you. you have in the beautiful, pristine Norfolk countryside. Um, and
1: it was red hot that day. Well, I use that as an excuse for me getting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But a lot, of, a lot of people struggled that day. Actually, it was red hot, and my wife did that race, and I know she said that um, she she felt a bit uh, lightheaded. headed. Just, just um, I think people underestimated how hot it was. It was
1: warm, but you spoke around. Um, you know, the tribe and things like that. When I was when I was in Rio, and I live by this little triangle now, which you've probably seen. I might I might have showed you that as well. Um, there's three things that I try and live by every day, and that's you know mindset, environment, people. Mm. Yep. And if one of those is out of guilty on that little triangle, then I've got something to think about. You know, for someone that's struggling with gambling harm, and you know I'm not drinking now. If somebody said, "Let's meet at the pub," And I've been like, know, be, I've got to be mindful here. I've got a. Somebody says, "Let's let's let's meet at the race race." Says I've, again, I've got to be mindful of that. If there's somebody who, I don't know, I'm trying to think, think of an example. Which, <laughs> excuse me, uh, I'm trying to refer it back to in plaster. Really, you know, I, I had this did this talk not long ago around people not getting apprentices in uh, into construction, and there you was know, a plaster. It's it happened to me. And I mean, you get a bag of plaster. Someone says, "You better lift it above your head." And lift you know, it over your head and then they stalinize it and toss it up all over your head. It's, you know so you've seen all the all the jokes after the construction. But you know, you, you bring that back to that model and you know, whatever we're doing, if, if your mindset's in the right place. And, and those people that were doing that, it was banker, it was good for it, it was joke, it was joke and There's no harm in it in their mind. Yeah. But actually, if that person goes back to that individual continuously, that individual might think, you know what, I'm gonna try and avoid that person. Mm. And When I when I came to Outlaw, um, every one of those three points in that triangle, in you know, my mindset, I was waking up in the morning and when I was on there I mean, to blue skies to make a cup of tea. Mm. In fact, I didn't have no tea bag, so I popped to another tennis, the tea bag have a tea bag, a cup of tea, and I came back with more tea bags than I could shake a stick at. Like, everyone was just helping each other out. Um, the environment was fantastic. My mindset was getting... Better by the day
0: because the space that I was operating in and the people that I was with were just incredibly helpful. So all three of those points in that triangle were complete. Well, um um you share the triangle there, but then in the next slide you've got the triangle with in um, with a, a column of um points about that, your learnings and summary. And uh, you know, th- there's some really poignant things there, but there's also some things that I talk to uh humans about when when we talk about being a high, high performance human um education and knowledge be content with the day move i guess that's all about movement and moving more not sitting still getting sunlight mindfulness making your bed you know that's that admiral um admiral raven i think it is who talks the book about um making your bed every morning with um and that, that's a really interesting video and uh, book that he shares. Um, getting sleep, I guess. I guess that was something that you mentioned earlier about when you weren't sleeping. If, if, um, when you were waking up in the middle of the night with your twenty-minute alarms, the sleep as a sleep coach, sleep makes everything better. Right? If you get more sleep, it, you, you just you, your brain rebuilds itself, and you can you can cover and cope with problems with a bit more ease. I'm not saying that in your case that would, you know, more sleep would have washed them all away, but certainly the overwhelm isn't there if you get more sleep. When you're not getting the sleep, then that makes everything seem a lot worse, doesn't it? So, I guess Absolutely. sleep's an important. I guess sleep's an important element in your continued recovery. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. sleep's the first thing that
0: I look at for mm-hmm. um, yeah, me. Yeah, me too. And I think I think everybody should look at that really as the first thing because it's the foundation of life. Um, you know,
1: when I'm when I don't sleep, I struggle. I convince myself that I didn't need didn't need sleep,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I convinced myself of very irrational thoughts being very rational. I'm not suggesting that that if I'd have slept, that wouldn't have happened. You understand the point I'm making that it magnifies things for me. And there's other things on that list. You know, you talk about sunlight. I spoke about Epic Restart Foundation, and I remember going away to the weekend, and one of the guys said. You've know, got kids, and when your kids are crying, you put me in a pushchair, you take them for a walk in the sun, and it makes them better. They stop crying and they get better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, everything about it. But, yeah, if someone that's struggling with mental health, I would turn the lights off and draw the curtains, and I wouldn't look after myself in the same way I would look after my team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, seek the right help for you is, is something at the top of that list that we're talking about. And I had to get help three or four times before it. Push, um, or a lot better, but you know, I could we could talk about that. This probably for another podcast, it's, but I love it. It's something that I talk about a lot when I do my talks into people that will listen to me ramble on about lowering stigma. But you know, one of them about one percent a day, and again, that's from the Epic Restart Foundation. There's I think eight minutes of your awake day is one percent, and you know, in the workplace, five minutes of your working day is one percent. Mm. And I guess it's a triathlon.
0: The, the 1% a day, is that—is that in terms of your improvements, you're looking for, you don't need to improve everything the next day, just if you keep making a 1% improvement, what can you improve by 1% today? What can I improve by 1% tomorrow? On a continuum line, you're moving from where you were to a better place, is that—is that right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, there's a book that I'm off reading at the minute, but, you know, the 1% a day for me was, it, it was just making small changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I, I remember saying, you um, Rehab and we're really doing mindfulness on the Tuesday. And as I said at the start, my by trade, and I sat doing it, I was thinking, What on earth am I doing here? Is he No, I don't do mindfulness, I'm not a picky, but yeah, I'll do mindfulness for eight minutes now, mm-hmm. and that's my one percent. And it yeah. helps. it helps me. Not say so it's gonna help everybody, but for me, mindfulness for eight minutes that's my one percent that I'm doing today to make tomorrow
0: better but but of all of those things there, you, you could get out and get sunlight for eight minutes couldn't you exactly, you yeah. could go out you could move around for eight minutes you could spend eight minutes um reflecting and writing a gratitude diary absolutely um, journaling you know like you took one of your other things there is about listening and talking to people just getting out and and meeting other people finding out about them um i put listening I
1: put and talking because there's a lot of emphasis sometimes on people that are struggling with mental health talk mm-hmm. um you know, the onus isn't always about talking you know if, if, there's a skill to listening there's a real skill for listening and i think we can all be better at listening and if we can all get better at listening it's a lot easier for to talk we,
0: yeah. we we talk about this in coaching it's one of the skills that we we work with on the high performing coaches program at british triathlon is you know, that whole phrase about he's he's hearing me or he's listening, but he's not hearing. You know, it's like, yeah, there's just, I just hear a sound when when you can see that somebody's really interested in what you're saying and they're actually taking it in and they haven't already thought about the question they're going to ask you anyway. They're, they're curious and asking you questions about the things that you're saying, which means they really actually are listening to what you're talking.
1: Yeah. The, 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 that list there, which, again... These are just things that I've learned from or picked up from Riyadh, from the mm-hmm. charities that I've spoken about, um, and we could probably have three weeks that alone one podcast talking about each individual one because well, really,
0: passionate about. Ab- Absolutely, and, and all of these things that you've talked on here, you know, even if it's down to I know the reason why you seek seek the right help for you, but if you're an athlete listening to this, I say, absolutely. you know, there are people say I don't need a coach, I. I I'm a personal trainer. I've got a sports science degree. I do it myself. But the point about having help is that there's somebody else to bounce your ideas off, somebody to challenge you on your way of thinking, somebody to offer you alternative pathways that you can consider. Because we, because our mind works in one way, and we all tend to take the same sort of train of thought, don't we? Being content, I, I you know, the the one percent a day thing also is is like, and that that comes back to one of the things you mentioned earlier about habit stacking do little things there's there's a word you haven't mentioned in there which would probably come back to both of those which is compounding you know those small little things you do when you do lots of them over many days they have a compound effect on everything don't they you know the the sleep and the diet has a compound effect on your ability to listen a bit more about on on your ability to sort of open the curtains and get some sunlight absolutely yeah
1: that that model can be adapted in in so many different ways there and each one of those things, you know, mindset is my, the podcast. The listeners can't see what they're looking at. They, you, you imagine that triangle mindset environment people and all the other things that go with it. You know, listening and talking is, is around people, you know, people listening. Mm-hmm. You know, sleep. You know, it, it affects your mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you're right. That would form a nice podcast. Um, I've done each of those probably individually, um, over over the last few years. Um, g- going back to that letter and the tribe thing, it, when people come across, uh, the finish line, particularly when they're doing the full. Um, we used to say to people, you know, you are an outlaw, but that's that's stolen from another event, if you like. And I'm I'm it's, it's a friend of mine that that came up with that phrase for Iron Man, so. Uh, and, and he's happy with people using it in their own context. But it affect, it. It made me think one day when somebody crossed the line and I said to somebody just off the cuff, welcome to the family, welcome to the outlaw family. And and I suddenly thought, actually, that's it, you know, this tribe thing, because I know that Ian and Adam and the rest of the team, when you finished an outlaw, you're always on the mailing list. They're always telling you about events. They're asking you if you can volunteer or you know, if you'd like to do this event or that event, you know, you never really go away. Even if you've not done any races, we've never really forgotten about you. And you're always part of the outlaw family. And so that, that bit that you wrote in there about finding your tribe was, um, yeah, you know, I know it's a bit more broader than the outlaw thing, but finding that sort of common bunch of people with shared, sh- shared enjoyment of life. Um, it is something that we're really proud of for the outlaw that, that we, you know, and I think that's why people come back again and again is because it it is a family and um, you know you can see somebody with an outlaw bag when you're going through the airport and you'll tap them on the shoulder and go oh what race did you do then yeah. um, it, and it is a bit unique than the M because there's so many of those around now. <laughs> um, so you're a, you're an outlaw ambassador this year. You you said you're doing Holcomb. Is uh, is that your only event or have you got others planned?
1: So I'm doing Nottingham Half. Okay. Um which you know, I look as I told you, I looked at my clock because if they say it's getting closer by the minute. Um but yeah, so I'm doing of half in May, um I'm doing Holcomb Gravel.
0: Ah, me too. We've already um, ascertained that you're not in the same age group as me, so Yeah, well, let's
1: just Yeah, I'm not I'm not even gonna concentrate on age group I just want to get around. Um and then I'm doing Outlaw full with a bit of luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, something in each event half and then the gravel and then the fall is my plan nice um, and hopefully along the way raise quite a bit of awareness for the charities that have helped me out along my journey mm-hmm. and I hope you know raise a bit of awareness for what put out
0: well I look forward to seeing you at the finish line Liam and please do come and say hello to us uh, myself I know that myself Louise and Lee are going to be there so we'd love to have you um come and say hello and join us for a few moments and maybe share a few words about your experiences on the day uh, and thank you i truly appreciate how difficult this is for you to speak about i know that you say you've done it many times but each time there's some very very personal and, and difficult stuff there so thank you for sharing this um and i hope you have a great christmas and mm-hmm. that things continue to improve and we look forward to you um, crossing the finish line and handing you that Outlaw medal next year
1: I'll let my, I'll let, I'll let my, uh, my little boy or my little girl pass me the medal Well,
0: I'm, the I'm, I'm sure we can arrange that for you okay. Liam Colbrook thank you very much for being here thanks a lot thank you so much again to Liam for being my guest on the show this week I really appreciate how tough this was for him and he's been so open on and honest in sharing his story as i said at the start if you feel affected by any of the topics we discussed in this episode please look out for the links below where you can find help and whether this is your first time or you've listened to every episode thank you for choosing this podcast i hope that you and your family enjoy a very happy new year and i also hope you can join me in 2024 for more great guests